This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to be with you. Matt and Patrick here today, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Hello, Patrick. How are we today? Uh, not, uh, I should say, I started with a negative. actually doing pretty well. I'm excited. I'm looking out. I'm headed out to a hockey game tonight, finally, for one of the first times of the season, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, you might see the Northern Lights. What time? Where? What time is the game at? Uh, it's at seven. Um, thought about the Northern Lights too. That being, you know, after the game. Ah, yeah. Well, is it what, midnight or so they're saying. Yeah, probably so, something like that. So you know, time to get somewhere if you want to drive out of town. Well, I think it's north of us is supposed to get most of it, but it could. It could. There's a chance it could poke its head down south to the metro area again so we could we could see that there today um well drive so what, what game are you catching tonight i've got the minnetonka against chaska chanhassen girls game tonight. okay all right there you go get, get get ready say hi to patrick when he's up in the, he's up in the booth there you know <laughs> 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 uh the uh, like I said, no guest today. I'm, I'm going to basically talk people off the ledge this entire first hour, but I did want to take some time. Um, of course, you know, my, I'm wearing a UMD football shirt today. My daughter goes to UMD. She she decided to to go and become a bulldog, um, and they of course uh, the the campus was somewhat rocked a little bit by the death of that hockey player that was you know over in England, uh, the former. Uh, bulldog player up there unfortunately they've gotten uh, another uh, very sad tragic thing that's uh, happened here one of their football players has uh, passed away uh, Reed Ryan and this is getting actually national attention Reed Ryan a defensive lineman for UMD died on Tuesday a week after going into a cardiac arrest following a football team workout he was 22 years old he had an undetected genetic heart condition uh, according to his obituary on November 20th, Ryan's heart stopped after lifting weights and trainers on site revived the player's pulse with CPR. He was rushed to a local hospital and he was treated in intensive care. Uh, he, uh, the school announced his passing on Wednesday. Our staff and players are devastated by Reed's passing. UMD head football coach Kurt Wise said on Instagram, uh, Reed uh, aspired to be every day uh, better every day at whatever task he had at hand. He helped bring out the best in others and his positive attitude, infectious smile, genuine care for the people around him. He was an epitome of a UMD Bulldog. Sounds like uh, I, I didn't know much about him. I saw the game. I went up there earlier this year, and I saw one of the games. Uh, so I, 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 very tragic. All, all my best to his family, to the UMD 
you know, football team, the UMD students and all that up there. And of course, um, you know, it's, as it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that stuff like this does happen, unfortunately, because of the, once again, an undetected genetic heart condition. Do you remember who is the basketball player years and years ago? This is why they now have, um, you know, paddles at most gym facilities is because of that one basketball player. That was Hank Gathers. That's, thank you. Thank you. That was, I remember everyone was just nationwide was kind of like, what? Yeah, it's it it unfortunately does happen. Um, uh, very tragic. All my best once again to everyone up at UMD. I've I've become a fan of UMD football this year, so this is you know a little you know a little bit heartbreaking uh, for me myself, just because I'm become a fan of the team. So nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five is the phone number. I want to start with. Talking you guys off the ledge because yesterday there was a post in MinPost about a new poll. Biden Trump running virtually neck and neck in Minnesota. 45 to 42. 45 to 42, Biden is leading, but it's within the poll's 2.6 margin. Now, once again, I always love when they do that because the 2.6 margin can go the other way too, but no, heaven forbid. Now, I want to talk about the news media. Now, I'm not necessarily disparaging MinPost. I I think this is a crisis across the board. Back in 1970s, the movie Network came on out talking about how the sales department was starting to take over in the news department. I've had, I've talked to editors of newspapers and I've talked to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people that do editing at TV networks. And they have said to me off the record the same thing, that even if they had a poll that showed one candidate leading by 50 points, they would never publish it because they, they don't want the, the money to stop coming in. That they, there is an, an economic benefit to making sure races seem as close as normal all the way to the end. Now, that is a pretty harsh thing to hear from editors. That's a that's a that's a big thing to hear. And I'm not applying that to anyone in particular, but I have seen myself news get altered because of the the uh, you know the, the because of of advertising. There was I was at a radio station uh, one of the guys that ran one of the car dealerships got caught in a DWI. And we were, you know, standard news reporting. We got a phone call from the sales manager at what, 6.30 in the morning saying if we repeated that story again, that the car dealership said they will yank all of our advertising. So all of a sudden, guess what? They had the, the news story never aired again on our, our network. <laughs> it was that simple. That's not, that's not even good. That's not even kind of, you know, yeah, that was just clearly... You know, you know, the news department bowing to the advertising department. I mean, that's what it was. Polling has been, it, 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 I, I think there is twofold problem with polling in this country. One is, and this is where I think that MinPost gets into trouble, not, not necessarily the money issue, but the money issue is one of them. I think that there is clearly a lot of news and outlets that do not want elections to get out of control because they say that's money. And trust me, as a guy that lived in Iowa twice, those radio stations and TV stations make a mint off of the political season. It is raking in money. 
So I, I think that news outlets have pressure to not have stories which say it's going to be a landslide, even though they might have every bit of evidence that it is indeed going to be a landslide, which does bring up the question of integrity within the media department because because when you don't report the truth, which it's going to be a landslide, aren't you by then distorting the news or just outright lying? Aren't you giving the impression a race is close? Isn't that the opposite of journalism? That's just pulling it out of your caboose? I mean, isn't that really what it is? And so, you know, you can sit there and talk about journalistic integrity, but it's like when the, the Viking Stadium was, was, was being debated and being discussed here in town, that people were talking about it in regards to, oh, well, you know, we don't want to lose football. We don't want to lose football. The only person in this town that had the guts pre-vote to question whether or not we should be spending all the taxpayer dollars on that stadium, besides myself, was Patrick Royce, the outstanding Patrick Royce, who's who consistently said, is it really worth all that money? He was the only one. Then, then, the second they voted to approve the spending for the stadium, then, all of a sudden, all the news outlets and the sports outlets, that was the first time you heard from most of them, really, is this, uh, is this a lot of money? They, they, they dared not speak against the Vikings because you know what? They want their bobbleheads. They want their access. They want their, their interviews. That's what they want. They don't want to upset the, the Vikings, so they didn't report on it. And whether or not the Vikings, basically, I don't know if the Vikings let them know this or not. I have no idea. But, you know, it was pretty comical in the day after the vote, the vote that happened that approved the stadium. The day after, suddenly, suddenly, all the sport. wow, that's a lot of money. I, I don't think we should go past the fact that that's a lot of money. Should we be spending this? Well, we can't do anything to stop it now. Just a joke. It was. It was just a joke. And that's not me. Go listen to your freaking audio broadcast from that time outside of Patrick Royce, who was the only one who had the guts to bring up the question. The only one. Salute, Patrick. Well, the, the same thing goes on today. They don't want to lose access. They don't want to. They don't want to lose. You know, the, the, the connections. They don't want to lose this stuff. So, would they really ever report something that basically would you know kind of you know well you're down by twenty points. It's not going to happen anyway. I mean, even when Klobuchar was trouncing the opponent, last two opponents she had, pantsing them. It still was kind of one of those things where the reporting on it was kind of like, well, we, but we don't know for sure. You, you, gotta, you have to make sure we understand this, that that is, that is part of the news psyche. Now, once again, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that's what's happening with MinPost. I'm a subscriber to MinPost. I think MinPost does pretty good, although there's more than a few people at MinPost that apparently hate my guts. Hi, glad to help support you. Anyway... That being said, Ted Serious too, hate me. <laughs> okay. That being said, and I'm glad to say, and you know what? You know how good they are? I hear that and I still support them. That's how good they are. They do a pretty good job. Here's the problem I have with this polling. 
we used to have phones connected to every house in the country. And we used to have databases where you could say, I need to to touch base with a woman who is Caucasian, age 35 to 45, Christian in the Midwest. And you would pull up a phone bank database and you could find someone, at least six people, call till you got one, boom, get the answers that you need, get to the next person. That's what polling used to be. And polling used to be somewhat reliable. I mean, it wasn't exact. There still was problems there. You know, Dewey did not defeat Truman. <laughs> That's for sure. They did not. But, but you see, in the past, when there was something like that, they could literally go back to one or two things and say, this is the reason why. The problem they have today is the entire methodology is shot. You can't use landlines anymore because they skew 80 and older, basically. Most teenagers do not answer their phone if they don't know who it is calling. So they're out. And teenagers, 20-year-olds, up to 35, 40-year-olds. Millennials and Generation Z do not just sit there yellow. They don't have, that doesn't happen. They don't respond to text messages that they want. So trying to get a comprehensive view of the polling public is difficult at best. And it has proved to be faulty the last three major election cycles because mainly because of one thing. They don't know how in the world to get in touch with Generation Z. And they're already, and as a matter of fact, here's one thing I will criticize Min Post about. They're already downplaying, oh, well, Generation Z, the younger votes generally don't vote. Even though the last three election cycles, major election cycles, we have seen a dramatic increase in younger voting. 2018, 2020, 2022. So at what point you say, well, they used to not show up, but now they've been showing up lately versus, oh, they're unreliable. I mean, that just seems to be your polling numbers come out a certain way and you're just, you know, that clearly you're, you're even arguing against your own poll numbers, which I highly doubt are correct. And I'll prove, and by the way, and by the end of this, I'll prove why I've got some, and you should too, have some real big questions about how in the world this whole thing worked out. You trust me, we'll get there. But the reality is, is it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard to get reliable poll numbers. And I want to also add in something. Ever since Roe v. Wade was overturned, the polling has been absolute garbage because it's clear there is an element of our electoral process, our electoral voter, who is now motivated to vote who the polls don't really pay that much attention to because it has been consistently skewing more towards the Democrats ever since that happened last summer. Ever since it happened last summer. It's something that even the Republicans will tell you is true. Look at Ohio. What did they try to do in Ohio? They tried to change the threshold. They tried to change the rules of the game halfway through the game because they knew that there was a, that even though the polling that there was being released was saying a 51-49 majority for pro-abortion. I think one was 52-47. I think one was 50 like 50.5 to 
they didn't really have it. It ended up being a a 10-point swing. It was not close. The Republicans knew this. That's why they were trying to get it to change to where you had to get 60% of the vote to make a constitutional amendment change. So, yeah, this is it, it. There has been a seismic electoral shift in this country, which is not being accounted for in polls. And I'll tell you eventually what I'll get to is this. I'm going to break down exactly the methodology in this men post poll and tell you why you should be incredibly skeptical of that number 45 to 42. All right. And by the way, one last quick thing before I go to break. For all you liberals out there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, calm the F down, okay? Calm down, calm down. I get it. You're scared. You should be. Donald Trump has said he wants to unleash the military on his own citizens. He wants to start concentration camps. He he is truly an evil despot, a fascist. I can get it. You're scared. But you go on out there and you work like democracy matters, and this will be a slam dunk win for the Democrats. Okay? Okay. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. I want to go over an excellent article that was in Fortune magazine about a year ago, and this explains a lot of the problems that they have. I'll do that when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Cover up that AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So let's, bringing you back from the ledge here, I'm going to read from, this is an article from Fortune Magazine from Jerry Sonnefeld and Stephen Tyne. Uh, this is, pollsters got it wrong in 2018, 2022, 2022, uh, 2020 and 2022. Here's why political polling is no more than statist- uh, statistical sof- sophistry, uh, which is, uh, you know, a pretty big slam on it at this point, if you want the truth. But this is, this. I'm going to read a little bit from this. And uh, yeah, you'll, you know, you'll kind of see some of the problems because this is exactly spot on of what's the problem here. American po- pollsters are in denial with Democrats control the Senate confirmed after the AP's call this weekend of a Democratic win in Nevada. Obviously, the much vaunted red wave predicted by the pollsters failed to materialize, yet the pollsters are rushing to spin fact-free revisionist narratives asserting otherwise. Quantitative statistics and data will often can can often present ambiguous t- uh, situations with the veneer of objective, unimpeachable fact, which makes it more, even more disappointing when statistical integrity is twisted or misunderstood. Like I said, it's one thing when they say, they say, well, we're not going to report that the one candidate is leading the other candidate by 20 points, but by then not reporting it, are you implying that it's much closer because that's, yeah, you're, you're losing it there. For the past nine months, and once again, this was an article from a year ago, we have worked to, uh, assiduously to correct the false numerical narratives of Putin's propaganda on everything ranging from dubious Russian national income statistics to the number of companies that have actually pulled out of Russia to the supposed resilience of the Russian economy. Unfortunately, closer to home, many media commentators regard this election forecast put out by the domestic political polling industry as a product of highly sophisticated data analysis, providing breathless horse race coverage based on who is up and who is down the most recent poll. In reality, their practices often veer more towards unsupported assumptions and sophistry. 
A great uh, expert, great expert resources such as the National Opinion Research Center, Pew, and Edelman have better methods, larger samples, and avoid daily headline-driven overnight readings. Some, such as the Harris Poll in the Morning Consult, are rather nuanced and accurate. However, media pundits and forecasters jam weaker outlets and partisan pollsters with reputable institutions together with the analysis. Here are the pollsters. Take a look at their own polls. Here's the Senate last uh, alone from last. This is once again the election from 2022. The average poll the week before the election had Mez on, um, uh, Mehmet Oz beating Fetterman by nearly 1% in Pennsylvania. Fetterman won by five, so a six-point difference. The average poll had Adam Laxalt beating Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada by 1.5. Uh, Cortez Masto won, uh, is projected to win. Uh, not a single poll before the week before the election day projected her as the winner. The average um, uh, poll had Herschel Walker beating Raphael Warnock in Georgia by 1%. In the reality, Warnock outperformed Walker by 1%. And not a single poll the week before the election day projected a Warnock victory. The average poll for Maggie Hassan beating Don Bullock in New Hampshire by only 2% when reality Hassan soundly routed Bullock by 15 points. Two mainstream polls in the week before the election included a seminal and admired St. Anselm poll, even predicted a Bullock victory, 15 points off. An updated prediction published right before the election day by the University of Virginia's Department of Politics noted that the Senate races in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania remain jump balls. However, the nonpartisan electoral handicapper shifted its rating in Pennsylvania and Georgia to leans Republican, and it shifted its rating for four of the six gubernatorial elections to toss up to lean Republican. Gallup confidently declared the political environment for the 2022 midterm elections should work for, to the benefit of the Republican Party, with all national mood indicators similar to, if not worse than, where they've been in other years for incumbent parties when they fared, fared poorly in the midterms. The Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, a nonpartisan handicapping service, moved 10 of its House races in favor of Republicans and adjusted its predictions in GOP gains in the, in, in the fall towards between 20 and 35 seats, a sizable Republican majority in the Senate. The Siena poll found that independents, uh, especially women, are swinging to the GOP despite Democrats' focus on abortion rights. The biggest shift came from women who identified as independent voters. In September, they favored Democrats by 14 points. Now independent women backed Republicans by 18 points. A striking swing given the polarization of the American electorate towards how intensely Democrats have focused that group on the threat Republicans pose to abortion rights. That didn't make any sense. A 32-point swing? No. CNN Marist shifted a strong favor of a red wave. They, the survey shifted seven percentage points towards the Republicans in a month. The misses were even more egregious when it came to the House and governor's races. As one example in many, the average poll in Arizona gubernatorial race the week before Election Day had Carrie Lake winning by 2.4% with not a single major poll calling for Katie Hobbs' victory. Beyond any individual race, polls seriously misread the mood of the country and salient issues on voters' minds. Pre-election polls largely found that voters were apathetic to issues of democracy and receptive to voting of election deniers, with pundits lambasting President Biden's pre-election speeches on democracy accordingly. Evidently, the pollsters were wrong, though. Many of the most vocal election deniers were soundly defeated, ranging from Mark Finchman in Arizona to Jim Marchant in Nevada to Tim Mitchell in Wisconsin to Christina Caramo and uh, Tudor Dixon in Michigan to Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, even though the first four were generally leading in their pre-election polls. So they're basically they're show showing that if you were looking at polls in 2022, they were wildly out of place. I mean, just didn't make any sense. And as a matter of fact, guess what? A month before the poll, 
all these polls were saying massive red wave. I mean, they shifted to the right when it clearly wasn't happening. The methodology, well, undeniably part of that is we can't have these polls get out of hand. We need, we need advertising. But also part of this is the methodology is broken. Now, they also go on to this into this article from last year talking about some of the problems. Assuming turnout is pseudoscience, pollsters can only extrapolate the turnout rates of previous years. The last couple of election cycles have seen record turnout across both sides of the aisle, especially with younger voters lessening the value of the already displaced historical precedents. So basically, the young voters the last few elections have basically blown the models out of the water. And yet, one of the things Minpo says is, well, this is traditionally not a group of voters that show up. Oh, okay. Voter response bias. The sheer number of pollsters, which has exploded over the last 20 years, creates voter fatigue, tedium, and less willingness to respond for privacy and socially desirable reasons. Pollsters are highly aware that some types of voters are more likely to respond than others, having learned from the 1936 Alf Landon miscall and the mistakes of the Dewey Truman era, and thus use a propensitary score to adjust respondents' propensity to be online. This, too, calls for un. Uh, unilateral assumptions without any grounding in actual voting data. Even the smallest tweaks to these base assumptions and filtering algorithms should significantly alter tenor of the polling results. I'll come back to that one. Sampling methods. Pew has documents that telefo- uh, documented that telephone response rates have fallen below 9%, which is not considered close to valid measurement in any social science fields. Online surveying can be more problematic as there is no national list of email addresses from which people can be sampled. Thus, there is no systemic way to collect a traditionally probable sample of the general population relying on the Internet. I'll come back to that. Drama seeking. The motives of the pollsters and their sponsors can be questionable with trade-offs between attention and accuracy. Not only are these polls commissioned by partisan groups with obvious biases, but some national polling outfits use their provocative polling results to gain the prominence of stature and the expert academic authority that they lack. High-profile polls help lower-profile institutions complete commercially in the attention economy. An excellent article. I'll post it once again a little bit later on. Now, once again, I do not think that MinPost is doing the um, – I don't think that they're doing the, the, the drama-seeking. I think the methodology is wrong. And as a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is going to take a break. When I come back, I'll talk a little bit about the poll. I'm going to talk a little bit as well about their current poll, which they just released today about abortion rights and point out a major fault, which should be a red flag to anyone that wants to insist that Donald Trump's about to knock off Joe Biden in Minnesota. Uh, No, that's I no, no. 952 946 It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. There is another theory out in regards to polling that says that the polling actually isn't wrong. What it does is it motivates, because it is so close, it's motivating people who generally haven't voted to go out and vote the day of elections. Which, uh, there, there is a lot of evidence that that's not necessarily the case, that there's a lot of early voting that goes on and people were voting that way. Um, so it's, it's not, it's a bit of a reach. I will say this. I don't think it does help Republicans 
to have these things that close because every Republican you know is already going to go vote. That Donald Trump could say, I'm going to shoot every liberal in the head in this country and every Republican you know go, I like the cut of his jib and they're going to vote for him. That is just, that's how they do it. So the goal is to basically keep as many Democrats at home and this has been a successful pattern for them. And the minute they started taking away people's rights and once again, this next election in 2024 is going to be about whether LGBTQ people have a right to exist, whether you have the right to birth control, whether you have the right to, to have the decisions of women have the right to decisions over their own bodies. These are the decisions there. And trust me when I say Generation Z and especially the second half of millennials, they are tired of this crap and they are looking to fix this. So they are voting. Trust me, that is a generational block. It's nothing like I saw with my generation or the, the, the late generation Gen Xers or the early millennials. It's like nothing I've seen. It really is. Uh, so going back to MinPost. Now, this is the poll they put out yesterday. And imagine for the White House, President Joe Biden is virtually tied, virtually tied. It's 45 to 42, which is not virtually tied. That's a three-point lead. But they have the poll margin of error because the whole poll. I mean, once again, I want to. There's a dishonesty when any news outlet says this, because your argument is going to be that the entire margin of error will fall to one side and one side only, and generally that doesn't work. Now I'm not saying that there are polls that are five and six points off, ten points off. That's happening a lot. That is happening a lot. But it's not, those are generally annihilating the poll numbers completely. They'll say, oh, well, this Democrat's going to lose by two points. The Democrat ends up winning by nine. And so the poll doesn't matter. The poll is irrelevant. Just looking at this poll, for you to say, oh, it's close. Well, and it's a three-point lead. It's 2.6. Is it really enough? I don't know. You have to have the entire margin of error fall to Trump's side to make this a toss-up. Which is, come on. <laughs> okay, I get it. You, a lot of people look at me and it's like, you know, you're an idiot, Matt. Yeah, okay, fine. Guilty as charged. But even I can look at that and say, come on, man, what are you doing? It's not going to break all one way. No. I got, there's another problem here, though, that we'll get to here in a second here. The poll, which is... It, 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 what they have here, and I, I'm going to go to this here, uh, Embold Research surveyed 1,519 likely 2024 voters from Minnesota from November 14 to 17. You can read about the poll here. Now, here are two things about this poll which are good. One is over 1,000 respondents. That's a lot. Of, that's kind of a, a bare minimum borderline to have a legitimate poll is at least 1,000. They got 1,500. They also went with likely voters as opposed to just people. You know, because likely voters is a better gauge. But here is the problem. Um, they, 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 they released the polls. The methodology, they released this as well. And I'm going to read this from the folks at the MinPost link here. As soon as it pulls it up, it's taking a little bit of time. Ah, there it is. Methodology. Embold Research surveyed 1,519 likely 2024 voters in Minnesota from November 14th to 17th. We used the following resources to recruit respondents. Targeted advertisements on Facebook and Instagram, 
12,075 respondents, text messages sent via the switchboard platform to cell phone numbers listed on the voter file, 244 respondents. So let's start with the second. Well, let's start with the positive. How about I start with the positive? They didn't use landlines. <laughs> I mean, landlines skew so old, it's, 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 not, it's, it's pointless to try to use landlines anymore. But let's go through the problem here. Text messages sent to the Switchboard platform. Okay. I am 55 years old. If I get a text message from someone I don't recognize, I don't click on it. I don't know if many people do because that's a pretty quick way to get all of a sudden your accounts taken over. It is. Is this you? Click here. Enter in your social security number. Uh, no, thanks. So I'm not too sure. My, my guess would be that on the text messages sent, considering it'd be a cell phone that's listed with the voter file, I'm going to guess that skews older anyway. And then anyone that actually responded to the text messages, the 244 respondents, definitely skewed 50 and older. Definitely. I, I'm going to I'll go out on a limb here. So... Then I want to look at the other side of this. Now, the next paragraph in this methodology is, regardless of which one of these sources a respondent came from, they were directed to a survey hosted from SurveyMonkey's website. Okay. Ads placed on social media targeted all adults in Minnesota. Text messages were sent to registered voters on voter file who had listed their cell phone numbers. All right. First of all, your problem with Facebook, the vast majority of 30 and unders are not on Facebook. Not anymore. They might have a page that they keep there just to keep mom happy. But the vast majority of 30 and under do not go to Facebook. That is a big problem if you're going to use this. Instagram, a little bit better. But is it threads or Instagram? Because I don't see a lot of people especially younger people clicking on ads on Instagram as much. I'm not saying that they don't, but you're taking a generation 30 and younger and you're sending them this and say, Hey, take two minutes and take five minutes, take 10 minutes to fill out a form. As a matter of fact, and I, I should mention that they list the questions here, uh, the reported questions that they had. I mean, it's quite a few questions. Um, that they had to determine this and, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's quite a bit. I don't see a lot of generation X and Z filling this whole thing out. I mean, it's what, four pages, 24, 25, 24, 25B, 25B is the last question, 25B. So it's multiple questions over multiple things. I'm sorry, your numbers are skewed. I can say that just because I know enough about modern, you know, youngsters, <laughs> as I'll say, that you, first of all, if you're targeting them on Facebook, I mean, a big question here, which is not advertised, is how many of these people came from Facebook and how many came from Instagram? Because if you were going to do this to where you wanted an adequate amount of responses from the 35 and younger crowd, and you've already got 244 text messages sent from cell phones listed on voter files. I'm going to say you need to be Instagram. If you got any chance at having this be representative of the younger vote, 
you need to have 66 to, to 70% of the respondents coming back on Instagram versus Facebook. And that's one thing that's not broken down here. Now, here's the other problem. There's no scientific nature to this per se. It is basically, it's the blockbuster movie awards. I mean, it's, hey, click on this link. Tell me who you like. And if all of a sudden, and here's one of the things that's also not clear. So say you click on the link and it's a poll. Oh, okay. I'm going to copy the link to this poll and send it to every conservative I know so that they can vote for, for, for Trump. This thing has got so many damn holes in it. It's hard to examine. I and mean, it's hard to kind of wrap my head around. And it does. It has a lot of holes here. That's not me being a stupid idiot. That's not me being, you know, Matt, of course you're biased. No, that's me looking at this form and saying, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Well, no, what makes no sense to me is how you can in a state where once again, once again, you had a Democrat win governor in Kentucky. You had Ohio overwhelmingly enshrining abortion rights. This is the 2023 elections. You had Virginia uh, basically backing up the Democrats. You you had a, not because there were just weren't that many races, not a massive swing to the right in any capacity or a massive swing to the left, but once again, continuing the trend that things are leaning more towards the Democrats. You had in this state, a tremendous amount of these far-right Trump-esque school board candidates who just ran less than a month ago. They basically got 25%. That's it. They lost the vast majority of their races. The vast majority. They weren't some kind of un, un predicted thing. It was just, uh, you went through the results. You went through the results and they just didn't do that well. Now, all of a sudden you're saying, yeah, all these far right candidates got voted down, but you know what? (laughs) Hey, guess what? They're about to come back. Just from what you've seen this month in this state, this poll seems to be just a little bit, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. And you can you can sit there and say to me all day long, well, Matt, it's just because you, you don't want it to be true. No, I, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't want it to be true. But at the same time, I am not necessarily going out there and going to look at a poll in a state that's Democrat, that's been proudly Democrat, and say, oh, this is the year, finally, after six years of Democrats overperforming, frankly, due to the younger vote, then that basically all of a sudden I'm just going to ignore that and say, oh, yeah, it's it's over. No. Once again, Donald Trump's big campaign speeches is, okay. outside of I'm innocent of all the charges, is I'm going to use the military on my own citizens and I'm going to round people up and put them in concentration camps. And you're saying he's going to do better in the state than he did last time. Okay. One of the things um, that's interesting here in this poll is they they actually and I'm gonna this is and this is on the poll for for Biden and Trump. Um, there's younger Minnesotans; those 18 to 34 support Biden over Trump, 47 to 34. Biden also has a strong edge among voters who are 65 and older. The bad news for Biden 
is that voters of that age groups of the favor of the president are most uh, uh, the most participate in the elections the least. Well, yeah, prior to 2018. And 20, there's a reason why Republicans nationwide want to raise the voting age, want to make it white male landowners again. They can't counterpunch Generation Z. And once again, Generation Z, late millennials, thank you. You're saving this country. I appreciate your service. The, the fact that you look at the last six years of polls and results, which show that Generation Z and millennials are showing up to the polls, finally, what Generation X did not do nearly as efficiently as they're doing, you want to look at it and say, well, that was the last six elections. Will they do it again? Probably not. Yeah. Try, you, you go with that. Go with that. Because I can tell you right now, I know a lot of young kids who are really mad about the LGBTQ stuff. There's a reason why college Republicans 10 years ago were begging the Republican Party to stop their anti-LGBTQ narrative, begging them. And they've only doubled down and tripled down. Now, I'm going to take a break. When I do come back, I'm going to look at the latest poll and I'm going to expose to you exactly why when you look at this Trump-Biden poll, you got to be a little bit skeptical because something doesn't add up. You'll understand in a second. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So let's go to MinPost's latest poll. This is uh, the poll talking about most voters support state constitutional protections for abortion and equal rights. So uh, the first thing they come to here in Minnesota, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, equality of rights. How respondents would vote on a possible amendment to the state constitution guaranteeing that equality of rights under the law shall not be abridged or account uh, on account of race, color, creed, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression, age, disability, ancestry, or national origin. 60%, 60, 6-0 are in support of this uh, Equality of Rights Amendment. 25% are not, and not sure is 14%. And, and generally, when you get into these issue categories, the, the you know, unsure is usually rises more than when you get into another thing here. So uh, the Abortion Rights Amendment. Uh, so would you like, would likely Minnesota voters support a ballot measure amending the state constitution to further protect abortion rights overall? Uh, the combined number is 54% is, uh, is four. The strongly oppose is 34. So that's a, a 20 point lead there and 13% are not sure. So 13%. Okay. So you have, uh, and, and, and once again, so you have these two other polls that have come on out now and they're, they're putting this information out there and it's, it's, it basically shows that these two issues are very much on the side of the DFL. Now, which is why, okay, so, so there's a, someone on Twitter got in touch with me and he said, well, do you really think 55%? You know, Matt, fifty-five percent, which fifty-four percent, but fifty-five percent want and an, you know abortion protections, uh, the abortion protections amendment. Fifty-four, fifty-five percent. 
you know, that's quite a big wallop. I said, wait a second here, 55%, that was the margin in Kansas. That was the margin in Ohio. So, and those are two far more conservative states than liberal Minnesota. So, no, I actually, so in his argument was, if, if the Biden poll is wrong, then you're saying that this poll is also wrong, that it should be higher. And I, dang right it is. What are you talking about? We're not Kansas. We're not Ohio. I'm going to guess that this poll would probably end up somewhere in the realm of around 60 to 65% of the state would be pro, uh, a pro-abortion, uh, uh, you know, pro-abortion rights amendment uh, being passed. So that, that would be my guess here. Because once again, if you're just going 55%, that's Ohio and Kansas. That's not Minnesota. So, yeah, I would definitely say more people would show up, which then brings up the argument here, okay? Now, just setting aside, and I know that this is probably not the most ethical thing to do, but setting aside the not sure comments, the not sure ones, you'll understand my point here in a second. Biden is leading Trump 45 to 42, but... The Equal Rights Amendment, or what's the the term that they use here? Let me make sure I say it correctly. The Equality of Rights Amendment gets 60% to 18%. So you're telling me that 18% of the people who are for equality of rights are also for Donald Trump? Okay, wait a second. Mr. Inequality, Mr. There were good people on both sides in Charlottesville. That guy. That guy, the guy that basically put babies in cages on the border, that guy, that there's 18% of the voting people in Minnesota who are for equality of rights amendment, but would be for Trump on a ballot? Come on. That doesn't make any damn sense at all. The same thing goes for the abortion one. You're telling me that 12% of the people who are for an abortion rights amendment, 12% would then shift to Donald Trump, the guy who gave the Supreme Court the three anti-abortion judges? Okay, something is seriously wrong with these polls. I want you to to just let that sink in for a second. They're saying the men post polls today say that 54% are for an amendment on abortion rights in the state, but yet, you know, so overwhelming amount of people, but 12% of those people are going to jump to the other side and, and go vote for Donald Trump in the election. Come on, man. Who are you fooling? That's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. That, that, that on, on the equality rights amendment, that, 18% of the people that are for equality of rights amendment, 18% are going to then go vote for Trump. Come on. Your numbers don't even make any damn sense here. Now, once again, I don't think MinPost is being dishonest because of a monetary issue. I just think it's next to freaking impossible in these days to get polling out that's reliable. And when you compare these polls to other polls, remember we had the poll out for Trump a while back that said Trump was leading with Generation Z by 20. I said, the second you saw that in your poll, you should have thrown it out because that makes no sense. When I, you know, they, they, they say, well, he's leading what he's getting like 25% of the black vote. No, he's not. He is not getting the guy basically was single, single digits last election. He has not appealed to that many people. 
That is just, that's just hyper, it's, it's hype. That's all it is. If you have poll numbers here, and once again, I'm not, I'm, these poll numbers, this sounds about right, if not even bigger. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the number of people for equality of rights amendment was closer to 65%. I clearly think the pro-abortion amendment people are somewhere in the area of 60% at least. And if you've got those things out there, but you're saying that a lot of people are going to defect from those two issues and jump on the Trump train, you're drunk. Okay, you're drunk. That's not going to happen. Now, might there be a nugget of truth in here? Sure. But there's enough discrepancies in the methodology and in the process, and there sure as heck is some freaking large problems with the results that make me not say, okay, guys, stop your worrying. Hour two is up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. Good to be with you today, Matt and Patrick. By the way, tomorrow, Patty Vasquez is going to join us. Patrick, did you hear we're going to be in Chicago starting on Monday? I did hear that. Looking forward to that. Uh, can I? Seriously, I mean, food. <laughs> I'm going to be in Chicago next year at some point. I'm going to go on down there, so I'll, I'll stop by the station. But I, I need I need the, the delicious worsts, the delicious hot dogs, and that, that deep crust pizza. That's have you ever had that, that's that's I don't know if it's really pizza. It's so different than other pizzas, but it's just so delicious. Oh, there are so many different varieties of pizza that I don't know why that one gets picked on in particular. But, you know, because it is kind of more like a pie made out of pizza. And- OK, just just stop and just bask in the glory of what you just said. It's a pie made out of pizza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is actually my favorite it, style. <laughs> I do that Detroit style is not bad either. I like that Detroit style too. Uh, the guys that do rectangle here in town, they do that. But no, man, dude, that's just some gorgeous stuff. Oh, by the way, have you also tied the Argentinian stuff? Uh, Boludo, Boludo. Oh, that yeah. was that's really good oh, stuff yeah. too. The yeah. pizza, is, it's a, it brings us all together. But a pie made out of pizza stuff, mm, love you. I will. I'm going to. I'm going to put up some rules here, though. First, rooting for the Cubbies. Not a chance in hell. I'm rooting for the White Sox. Nope. Sorry. I won't even talk about it because I don't want to make people in Chicago mad on the. Because I'm. I can't stand the Southsiders, man. I cannot stand the Southsiders. Uh, I don't mind the Bears so much because the Packers are just such jerks. Um. So I'm not there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Bulls were fun. I mean, gosh, those Bulls teams with Jordan. How could you not be a fan? How could you not be a fan? Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. We'll just we'll just we'll just keep some of the, the, the White Sox. The White Sox. We'll, let's not talk about them. Let's not talk about those guys. Let's talk about all the positive things that we can agree on. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We will not be talking baseball in the 3 o'clock hour. I'm just going to let you know. We're not going to be talking baseball. Nope. There are quicker ways to die. Nope, not going to do that. A man well-known to major Minnesota-based retailers such as Best Buy Target was arrested on Thanksgiving. According to a police report, happy holidays, this wasn't an appetite for expensive electronics that put him into law enforcement this time. Minneapolis police officers arrested Angelo Wagner Jr. for domestic assault on Thursday morning. Wagner, 34, had multiple warrants out for his arrest after failing to appear in court hearing several times on several theft charges. Apparently, this guy is like Johnny 
you know, shoplift. And they've been looking for him for a while, and they finally caught him, which is good. He's got a court hearing uh, scheduled for December 7th. I'm hoping he is he is being held on bond with no conditions. The judge also issued a domestic abuse, no contact order. Uh, I would not. I don't know if I'd let him out. <laughs> just, I, you know, at the very least, uh, you know, if if you do, just let all the targets and Best Buys know. By the way, I, I just heard this. There's another guy. This is the shoplifter guy. But apparently, in the metro area, there's a guy that is doing these specifically targeted break-ins at houses across the metro, and the police are trying to track this guy down. And it's it's very coordinated. It's very very much coordinated, and and you know it, 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 they clearly are targeting very specific houses. But apparently, this is someone that's multiple jurisdictions are looking for this guy because he's not just a rando that's just breaking into a house. He's targeting very specific houses. So I'll see if I can get more information about that. I just heard about that before I came on the air today. So um, other news: uh, we had Dr. Joe on yesterday. I uh, wanted to give an update from Axios. One in four Minnesotans are up to date with their COVID-19 boosters, according to the latest CDC survey data. A share of Minnesotans who have received the new shots has fallen dramatically since earlier in the pandemic, but the state's numbers are still well above rates for most of the country. Nationally, only about 16% of adults have received an updated COVID-19 vaccine. If you did not hear Dr. Joe yesterday, I would be sprinting, sprinting to your nearest pharmacy to get one of those the boosters, which were reformulated to target newer strains of the virus, can provide protection from more of the serious illness as immunity from the past infections or shots wane. An estimated 26.8 of Minnesotans had received the updated vaccine as of November 18th, according to the data released. Only Vermont and D.C. fared better. Mississippi is at 5%, Louisiana 8.2%, and Florida 8.3%, the nation's lowest rates. I, I, someone has to point out to these states— do you know how much money you're costing your state in health care by basically turning against vaccines? Because Trump told us to. Uh, hospitalizations are uh, creeping up at local wastewater data show COVID levels climbing to mid-November uh, through mid-November. So, but it's it's basically below where it's been. So be, be careful. Go get vaccinated, please. Go get vaccinated. You do not want this. You do not want to get sick. You do not want to be dead. And you sure don't want to be bankrupted by medical debt and poor for the rest of your life as you have to try to pay that off. Simple thing. One shot. Done. All right? Done. 952-946-6205. If I may, I want to piggyback on last hour. Because if you didn't hear the last hour, I encourage you to find it on your favorite podcastable area. Because I basically talked people back from the ledge in regards to this fear of the MinPost poll, which said that Biden was barely leading Trump in Minnesota. And that is just that's that's kind of garbage. And I'll and I explained it with the, the poll they released today, which said, OK, if if you've got a 45, 42 lead for Biden over Trump. OK, now I'm going to I, I'm going to do another little math thing for you here and compare it to these other issues. The undecideds in the presidential poll were 7%. Let's just give them all, let's just do like MinPost said, what kind of implies like, well, 2.6% margin of error, that's all going to fall Trump's way. Okay, we'll, we'll just play your game. Play your game. 42% will plus the seven, so every undecided voter goes Trump's way, that's 49%, all right? 
49%. If half, once again, you on the social issues, you had an equality uh, uh, amendment being added to the state constitution. 60%, 6-0% of the state popu- population is on board with that. 18 is against it. 14 is undecided, okay? We'll split that number in half, so it'll be 67, okay? So we're taking 14 is undecided. We'll split that in half. We'll give it to the 60%. We'll give the other seven to the other side, but the only number that matters here is the 67. Same thing goes for the pro-abortion rights amendment, which has 54%, but they have 13% undecided. We'll split that in half. We'll call it an even 60. We'll call that an even 60, okay? So even if Trump was to get all the undecided voters to fall his way and get 49% of the vote, you're saying that 18% of the people that support an equal rights amendment 18% are going to vote for Donald Trump. Of the 67, 18 of them would have to defect to go Trump's way. 18, not a chance in hell. No, not a chance in hell. And once again, I stack this in Trump's favor. There's no way. On the abortion rights amendment, 60%, which would require 11% of the people that voted for an abortion rights amendment to be added to the Constitution to also vote for the guy who added the Supreme Court justices that made abortion illegal with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Not a chance in hell. Nope, 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 nope. There's a flaw in your polls. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm just pointing out the numbers, dude. Well, that's not fair to do it like that. No, it's not, especially when you point out how ludicrous it sounds, don't you? Okay, we'll just leave all we'll leave all the undecideds out. It still is 18% on the Equal Rights Amendment, and it's 12% on the abortion amendment. I tried to help Trump, and it didn't make any damn sense, and it makes less sense if I don't. They can't a problem. I mean, they can't pull. They just, they can't. I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you can do it. But, I mean, it's what's really interesting is that it clearly has become a situation where polling is obsolete. It just doesn't happen. And whether it's a polling outlet who is fixing the numbers or a journalistic outlet that doesn't want to report the numbers so they can keep the ad buys from political candidates, keep rolling them in. Or it's just a methodology that broken, like I believe is the case with the MinPost poll. Uh, now, here's the thing I'm going to say, and I, this is the, the predicate, okay? These polls will end up being right if people sit at home. We learned our lesson in 2016 that people who sit out elections are making a choice. You're making a choice for insanity. Because by sitting out of the election, Donald Trump became the president of the United States. Babies in cages. Babies in cages. We have to remind people that he ripped thousands of children away from their parents, 
No one ever wrote down their name, their address, anything, and lost them. And it was only when Joe Biden got into the White House that most of them were reunited with family members. And there still are kids today whose parents were ripped, they were ripped away from their parents, and the parents were, were kicked out of the country, and we have no idea where they're at. Thanks to Donald Trump. Donald Trump put children into concentration camps and then put child sex abusers under contract in charge of them in Arizona, where these child sex abusers were abusing these kids under their watch. We learned our lesson. And we can go down the laundry list of the fact that Donald Trump and his fragile little ego were so incensed by COVID experts that he had to become the expert, the smartest guy on the planet. I know, drink bleach, that's good. Don't drink bleach, that's a bad thing. But that was Donald Trump, and you guys all went with him. Face diapers! (laughs) Look at you clowns laughing your way to the poorhouse because you're going bankrupt of medical bills because you got to believe to Trump. And then there's the whole thing with women's rights and now LGBTQ rights. And there, there is a war going on right now, right now in this country on what is the world going to look like. Someone said to me, Matt, I think Joe Biden has lost so many young voters because, because you know, he, he, he seems to just be on the side of Israel and he's ignoring the Palestinian plight. I, I said, okay, I'm not going to get into that issue, but I will say this. If Donald Trump wins, he has already vowed to unleash the military on his own citizens. He has vowed, like some third world country, he has vowed to roll tanks down the street mass arrests, throwing people into camps. If we don't vote in 2024, we will not have the luxury of worrying about the conditions in other countries because our own country will become a nightmare with a fascist president and fascist enablers. I get it. There's always issues. There's always issues. And some people are very passionate about it. But I want to make sure you understand that as bad as you think that that Biden is doing on certain issues, have you heard what they're saying on the other side? There are Republicans who are saying they want to shoot every Palestinian, every one of them. Come on, this isn't a debate, is it? They're hoping you ignore what they're saying. They're hoping you ignore their record. They're hoping that when they say, I'm going to arrest you and throw you in a camp and give everything you own to other people, that you're not sitting there saying, you know, I I like to cuddle that guy's jib. I'd arrest me too. Come on. No, we learned our lesson. And... You don't agree with the guy, you agree, you don't want to vote for the guy that you only agree with 60, 65, 70% of the time. 
fine. Reminder that that what you're then doing is you're endorsing the guy you agree with 5% or 2% or 0% of the time. You want these polls to be true, well, then don't show up. But everyone votes. And yeah, every election, every single one, if you have any hope at basically ever winning this country back to sanity, then you need to show up in 2024, in 2025, in 2026, in 2027, in 2028, in 2029, in 2030, in 2031, 32, 33, 34, all the way. Until that Supreme Court swings back to sanity, corporations are no longer people, my friend. And guess what? Human rights actually exist in this country. Get out and vote. No excuses. And reminder, if you don't vote, that's a vote for Trump. And that should be the end of the entire discussion. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Other things when I do come on back, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. I meant to bring this up last week, actually, before Thanksgiving. uh, But it's a story now that's actually getting national attention. Uh, Multiple news outlets have picked this up about Bemidji. U.S. Senator Tina Smith has highlighted recent picketing at the Bemidji Post Office. In a letter to the U.S. Postmaster General relating to his service agreements with the online retail giant Amazon, Bemidji postal workers picketed in the early morning hours, November 13th and 14th, to protest working conditions. These conditions, according to the Bemidji Pioneer, include 12-hour workdays, six-day schedules, and paid leave requests repeatedly denied. Smith pressed Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, who is a far-right loon ball, on these issues, arguing the service agreements with the Amazon are interfering with timely deliveries and stretching the agency's already overburdened workers thin. Smith said millions of Minnesotans rely on the U.S. Postal Service to pay some bills, receive prescriptions, conduct essential business. In the letter to DeJoy, Smith wrote that the entitling, entering into context that your system cannot support is a breach of your responsibilities. The Brainerd Post Office experienced similar delays after an Amazon service agreement was implemented last holiday season, continues to struggle to maintain staff. Smith also recently pressed the postmaster on issues relating to mail and payroll delays within the Postal Service. The situation in rural northern Minnesota caught the attention of the Washington Post, which published a story Tuesday featuring the Bemidji Post Office. So what's happened here is this. Apparently, these guys, after after the postmaster set their work rules— like the day after they set the work rules, all of a sudden a new contract was set down on them. And all the Amazon and UPS deliveries, it sounded like all of a sudden started showing up at their door and they were ordered by the local boss that basically all those packages had to be delivered first before your regular mail. And it sounds like this is the deal. Now, I want to make sure, I I think that the far right has changed their mentality in regards to the post office. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back in the W administration, they basically had to fund um, the, they had to fund the pension for postal workers 
for 75 years, which basically meant they had to pay in advance to have it completely funded. And it, it immediately started running the post office a deficit. And then immediately Republicans started screaming, see, they run a deficit. Well, yeah, because you put an unfunded mandate on them. That they had to, they were paying for pensions for people who would retire who haven't even been born yet when that started. Think about that. And it, it, it caused a lot of problems. But then the post office stumbled into something magical that if it fits, it ships thing. They had a tremendous amount of success with that. And it didn't break them even, but it sure softened the blow of having to pre-fund all the pensions. I said when I'm back way back when I first started here and even in past radio lives, I think we talked about this, that the reality is, is that the private sector doesn't want to be the mail carrier. That that it kind of surprised me that it seemed like the Republican Party was trying to kill the post office because, I mean, there's a lot of this country which is rural. And no, I, I don't think these these UPS and Amazon and, 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 and uh, FedEx, I don't think they want to have to drive out into rural parts of this country or into areas where you can only access it via water. I don't think that they want to do that. So the post office, I think it finally settled into the Republicans. If their goal was to kill the post office, that it basically could not do that because it still needed to exist. There's still a lot of people in rural America that need to get their checks via the mail, need to pay their bills via the mail. You have to have it. So what they have done now is basically made it to where they've created a government agency, the Postal Service, whose first job, first and foremost, is to deliver private sector delivery companies' packages over the mail itself. And so it's saving, trust me when I say, the UPS and FedEx and, 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 and Amazon are saving millions and millions and millions of dollars, probably a day, by basically getting post offices to deliver their packages for them. It, it, they don't have to carry the staff. And especially when you're up in you know, Bemidji, I mean, you got to go up to Black Duck, you got to go up to Washkish or something like that. You're, you're, you're basically, you know, they don't have to, Amazon doesn't have to send a guy, FedEx doesn't, UPS doesn't have to send a guy up there. They can just have the post office deliver it. And the post office has to deliver them first. So what they've done, it, it would be a lot like if NASA, if the first job of NASA wasn't science exploration, but getting space tourists to a privately held space station for space vacations, that that had to be done first, that NASA had to get the space tourist to the, 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 to the Elon Musk-owned space station. He doesn't have one, but, you know, you get my point. That if the Elon Musk built a space station for tourism, that the first job of NASA was to get space tourists to the space station for a private sector individual to make a ton of money versus actual space exploration and, and science. Yeah, it's not the point of NASA, nor is this the point of the United States Postal Service. But this is what they, they, they've determined that, no, they don't want the Postal Service to go away because there's way too many rural addresses that the, the private sector does not want to have to service. So what they're doing now is basically abusing the Postal Service and the Postal Service workers by basically having them paid as low-income workers where they can work them to death, and that's the end of it. That's, that's, that's their version of corporate America. 
So no, that this is this is not something we should not be getting into contracts with Amazon and UPS and FedEx to deliver packages. They are privately held pr- companies. They can do their own deliveries. The United States Postal Service should not have to basically do their work for them before they do the work of the American people. And shame on them for doing this to the pe- poor people of Bemidji. I know people who worked up at that Bemidji post office. I worked in, I lived up there for a while. And yeah, that's just that's not right. It's in the, the heck with you guys. It, talk about just a bunch of jerks. Stop it. And frankly, it's 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 disgusting. I, one of the things I don't know how easy it would be to remove the postmaster general, but that dude needs to be gone and gone yesterday. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Do not, by the way, when he finally does leave office, do not allow that dude to sign long-term contracts with anyone. Those those contracts have to be null and void. And he should know that right now. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. The Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, so I, I, I think one of the things that um, I wanted to get here, it kind of looks like, did, it get, did they yank it down? Wait a minute. This is make, it it, it kind of looks like they did. There was a post here um, that I saw this morning. Oh no! Here it is. I did find it. Okay, thank goodness. I, I was kind of surprised. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of wondering after what Elon Musk did yesterday. I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with Twitter because I don't think it's. I don't think anything there is well. As a matter of fact, I should mention uh, since I brought that up, I'll say this: it, it, during our show yesterday, apparently he went on uh, CNBC and he went crazy. Linda uh, Carino, the CEO of Twitter, caught heat for her whitewashed recap of Elon Musk's headline-making interview yesterday. According to Yukar, uh, Carino, the company's billionaire owner gave wide-ranging and candid interview at the, at the New York Times Deal Book Summit. Uh, he also offered an apology, an explanation, an explicit point about it, the, the view about our position. Uh, Twitter is enabling an information independence that's uncomfortable for some people. Musk did indeed offer an explicit point of view when he told advertisers boycotting the company that they could go blank themselves. That's actually true. He did that to advertisers. Now, I don't know if you're you're a business that needs advertisers, like, oh, I don't know, Twitter. That doesn't seem like it's the best way to deal with it. Because I can tell you right now, any advertiser that did boycott him because of his like of an anti-Semitic comment they're not coming back now. If someone is going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me for money, go blank yourself, Musk told the New York Times' Andrew uh, Ross Sorkin. Go blank yourself. (laughs) Hey, Bob, he added, apparently referring to Bob Iger, the CEO of Walt Disney Company, one of the many major brands that paused ad spending on X after Musk endorsed an anti-Semitic post on the platform amid the Israeli-Hamas war. Musk com- uh, Musk's company could lose up to $75 million in ad revenue by the end of the year as a result. Shortly after his remarks, Sorkin pointed out 
Linda Yaccarino was right there, and she got to sell advertising. Musk also uh, suggested he won't be the one to blame that the business goes under. Dude, you bought this thing for $44 billion. If it's worth, if it's worth $4 billion today, I'd be surprised. Because you've just turned off. You've done the cardinal mistake you just can't do. You have just turned off and basically told some of the biggest advertisers in the country, I don't want your advertising dollars. And trust me when I say there's a lot of advertisers who might not have boycotted you or might not be advertising with you now who basically, I guarantee you, there's a memo that's been put out that says, for at all costs, never advertise with, with, with Twitter. Because if this guy turns on you, he'll start screaming at you. So... Anyway, uh, so I was, I was wondering if 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 this uh, this thread might disappear, but uh, apparently it didn't. Now this is actually a Twitter thread from January tenth of twenty twenty one. It's almost three years ago, and it's a they, they basically it's a husband and wife team that observes fascism and and extremism and they they document it so they weren't participating they just observed and this was this was four days after the january 6 insurrection four days afterwards he is writing this thread up on twitter and i want to read through this because it's amazing i mean it's a historic document really Especially when you see so, how many republicans insist no violence happened they were all you know, Antifa in disguise, all these things. No, when you go back to what exactly had happened, it's clear a few things. One, these were Trump supporters, that these were Trump supporters that want violence, and that there clearly was some level of coordination to prevent a response to this attack until basically Maryland and Virginia are sending, said, we're sending in our National Guard to go get this cleaned up. And that's when Trump came out, I love you. You need to go home before they come and kill you all. I love you a lie. Go home. Reading from Terry Boughton, B-O-U-T-O-N. My wife and I attended the Stop the Steal Trump insurrection on Wednesday. He, as observers, not participants, and there were five big takeaways from what we witnessed and heard outside the Capitol that I'd like to share. They also, the, this, this thread has tons of photos that they themselves took at the insurrection. Number one, this insurrection wasn't just redneck white supremacists in QAnon kooks. The people participating in espousing or cheering the violence cut across the different factions of the Republican Party, and those factions were working in unison. Preppy-looking country club Republicans, well-dressed social conservatives, and white evangelicals in Jesus caps were standing shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with QAnon cultists, Second Amendment cosplay commandos, and doughy hardcore white nationalists. Love that, doughy. <laughs> I do like that. We eavesdropped on the conversation for hours, and no one expressed the slightest concern about the large number of white supremacists and paramilitaries spewing violent rhetoric. Even the man in the Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt wasn't beyond the pale. We are all, they were all, quote-unquote, patriots. I'm sure there were Republicans there who were horrified by what was happening, but the most common emotions we witnessed by nearly everyone were jubilation at the takeover and anger at Democrats. Mike Pence, non-Trump supporting Republicans, and the Capitol Police themselves. Number two, 
There is no doubt the Capitol was left purposely understaffed as far as law enforcement, and there was no federal effort to provide support, even as things turned very dark. This contrasts sharply with all other major protests that they had attended. And that's something that we, 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 you know, a lot of people, I think this is Jack Smith is going to get to this point, is that there clearly were some orders to basically make sure that these protesters were allowed to try to take over the Capitol. A lot has been made of the contrast to the overwhelming police presence at Black Lives Matter protests in the fall, and this is certainly true, but there was also a lot more federal law enforcement presence at every single protest we've attended in D.C. Most of these protests involved tens of thousands of mostly white middle-aged people, meaning race wasn't the only reason for the uh, disparate police presence. Even uh, the March for Science had far more police for a nonpartisan event featuring Bill Nye, the science guy. So basically the March for Science had more security there than the January 6th riot, which once again, Donald Trump was in charge of the federal government and the federal government clearly was trying to prevent anything from stopping. They wanted to overthrow the government. That was what was going on. By contrast, there was a tiny federal police presence at Stop the Steal despite weeks of promises of violence spread on social media by well-known far-right radicals, many of whom had long histories of inciting violence. When we arrived, the only forces present were the clearly overwhelmed Capitol Police. The only reinforcements that arrived were other Capitol Police. There were a handful of D.C. Metro Police, but they had accompanied the ambulances to take away the injured. The only other federal law enforcement presence was an FBI SWAT team of about eight officers who arrived to provide cover for the Capitol Fire and EMTs there to extract Ashley Babbitt, the traitor who basically tried to storm the House, the QAnon radical who was shot inside the Capitol building, traitor to this country. Once the FBI team got Babbitt out, they left and no other federal officers followed in the more than two hours that followed. So once again, you have these federal officers who go in there and they themselves go into the building, clearly see chaos is ensuing. They come on out, and at no point do they say, get everything we got here now. Nope. They all left. Once the FBI team got Babbitt out, they left, and no other federal officers arrived for more than two hours. The small Capitol Police force was left to deal with the chaos by themselves. It was a setup. The Trump rioters only supported law enforcement as long as they believed law enforcement was supporting them. Rioters, many carrying the thin blue line flags, seemed convinced the Capitol Police would turn against the government and join them. Numerous rioters shouted at the police saying some version of, we had your back, now we need you to have ours. All the Capitol officers we saw, black, white, Latino, male, female, seemed alarmed by what was happening and continued to try to do their job faithfully. And the crowd reviled them for it. They booed the police and FBI SWAT team, calling them traitors and murderers. A man on the back Capitol steps ripped up a thin blue line flag and torn pieces fluttering down over a crowd, bleefully chanting, blank the police. Number four, there were also no clear crowd rules imposed for the stop the steal like there were for other protests we have attended. All of the liberal protests over the last four years we attended had long lists of things you could not bring that were enforced at the Capitol. So basically they're saying there's, there have been plenty of these protests where you cannot bring certain things. At these protests, there was no poles or sticks, no backpacks, no weapons, no body armor. 
There were sometimes security checkpoints to get through to get into the mall or the Capitol grounds. None of these standard rules applied to stop the steal. There were poles and flags and backpacks and body armor everywhere. We didn't see any guns or knives, but we were certainly people brandishing flagpoles as if they were weapons. Of course, that was by design. These people are serious and they are going to keep, this is number five, these people are serious and they're going to keep escalating the violence until they are stopped by the force of law. There were many, many people who were excited by the violence and proud and excited about the prospect of more violence. And it wasn't just white nationalists, Second Amendment radicals and QAnon boneheads. I can't, I do like this threat. QAnon boneheads. Ah, I gotta get that on a shirt. <laughs> I can't adequately describe the bloodlust we heard everywhere who walked over the Capitol grounds, even from mild-mannered-looking people. The most alarming part to me was the matter-of-fact, casual way the people from all walks of life were talking about violence and even the execution of traitors in private conversations, like this was something normal that happened every day. I'm convinced that if Congress doesn't act to do something about this quickly, these people are going to keep going and unrest and violence will be more widespread and more uncontrollable. This is a crisis. The real it's happening. It must be taken seriously. He uh, um, basically has two little updates here um, that, that, you know, about it. But for the most part, you get the, the, the gist of it. It's that last part. We are dealing with a group of people that want violence. I've called them 90-time losers. They are. They're 90-time. The, the Trump's biggest fans are the biggest losers you've ever met in your life. And unfortunately, there's way too many people on the Republican side who are too cowardice to basically say, no, that's wrong. Killing people murdering people, hanging people. That's wrong. So they started going along with him. And once again, I want to make sure you go back to that first point. He said, this wasn't just these extremists. These were preppy guys. These were Christian evangelicals. These were second right amendment guys. This is, this was a wide swath of America that was there to murder people if they got the chance to do so. And right now in this country, there are still people out there. Sure, I think the prosecution of a lot of these January 6th rioters, insurrectionists, traitors to the country, has done a lot to basically, I mean, there is there anything more delicious than watching these guys when they're getting sentenced going, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. I beg for the government to forgive me. Strong contrast for the hang Mike Pence chants that they were doing. The reality is that they, they're traitors to the country, and they tried to overthrow the legitimate election of Joe Biden. And they are itching to try to do it again. They desperately want to do it again. Remember a few weeks back I told you about going to the World War II Museum? There was one of the elements there was talking about America ramping up for war, and they they talked about how uh, one, of the, one of the great statistics here is the, the fact that no minority group in this country enlisted at higher numbers than the Native American population. And, you know, thank God for them. They were, they were God savers and helping us in the victory there. They absolutely were. 
they had a long section on what happened to Japanese Americans. And this one guy was talking about how they came to the door and escorted him and his family out of their house. And as he's sitting on the bus with bars on the windows to be taken to his concentration camp in this country, he watched his own neighbors run over to his house and start pulling stuff out of it. Think about that for a second. Think about how far as a society you have to drop to get to that point where it's just, I'm just going to go steal the neighbor's stuff because they have forfeited it. Proud Americans, many of them, you know, multi-generational Americans watching as their own country turned on them and they just went out there and took advantage. I have made a comment on this radio station for many, many years that has said that most Republicans will allow the, 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 the people of this country to mistreat them horribly as long as they get to see their enemies suffer first. That they'll gladly sink on the Titanic as long as they're 10 feet higher up on the deck. Because that's all that's left for them. And it's a tried and true technique that has been used over the millennia to get people on your side when you're actually not fighting for their rights. Saw it in the South quite a bit. When the Confederate, the wealthy people basically said, well, if the slaves are freed, there goes your wife, there goes your dog, there goes your house. And scared the races, you know, put enshrined racism into the white South to basically as, cause they said, if you don't do this, they're going to take everything. And, and you see how effective it is today when you realize how much racism still exists in the South and everywhere in this country for that matter. We are going to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared as an American citizen. I, I know historically we've had cases with the Whiskey Rebellion and stuff like that where in the Civil War where, where large portions of the population rose up against other portions of the population. But it generally does not end well. And whereas I'm pretty sure most of these guys would wet themselves if all of a sudden, say, the 10th Mountain Division came down there and started taking them on, they would all say, oh, I didn't mean it. They forced me to. <laughs> Forgive me in my trial. But the reality is, is that we have got to stop treating these anti-American jackasses like they're some sort of special group because we're scared of who they are. I'm not scared of these guys. I'm not. I'm sorry that their lives are not working out for them. I've said this as well numerous times. You need to go look in the mirror and say, I need to fix my life. What do I need to do it? You don't like your job? Go find another job. You want to go back to school? Go back to school. You're not happy in your relationship? Then go find someone you can be happy with or be happy by yourself. There's a lot of things you can do. But sitting there and making a laundry list of things that you can't stand about the world and acting like someone else needs to take it out on everyone else it's just ruining you people. And the Republicans play the fiddle as you guys dance behind them. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. 
serial liar George Santos facing down an expulsion vote. Uh, he is not uh, expelled as of yet. I mean, we talked about this with Stein yesterday. You know how bad things are for him. He has got such a large pile of things that are so clearly wrong. I mean, even his own Republican caucus in New York wanted to get rid of him, even though he was holding a seat that they don't, I don't think they ever dreamed they'd ever hold. Uh, he's defiantly said Thursday he'll continue to keep fighting for himself and volleyball players everywhere by being only the sixth member, uh, from being the sixth member ever to be expelled from the House of Representatives. As Santos spoke, a garbage truck slowly crossed behind him, <laughs> obstructing his stately backdrop for a moment. Oh, thank you very much. It's, it's the little things. It's the little things. Um, whatever Mr. Santos did with Botox or OnlyFans is getting less concerning to me than the indictment of Senator Mendez, said Representative Matt Gates, contrasting some of Santos's alleged unlawful campaign expenditures with bribery charges against Menendez. I don't think Menendez should be there either, but, you know, this isn't an either-or situation. This dude is clearly crooked, so we'll see. I, it might happen tonight. It might happen tomorrow. They're saying that they're trying to have the expulsion vote by the end of the day, but it sounds like, you know, considering all the Democrats are going to vote to expel him, and it only then takes a handful of Republicans. And then Georgie Boy is headed to the volleyball court in the sky. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Jordan Klepper on The Daily Show to his face. Tell me your favorite volleyball moment. <laughs> to his face. That is amazing. Uh, speaking of throwing hissy fits. Uh, Mr. Senator Hissy Fit himself, Lindsey Graham of the fine South Carolina contingent and Republican colleagues stormed out, stormed out, come on girls, uh, stormed out of a Democratic-led U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee vote on Thursday to authorize subpoenas for two high-profile GOP operatives as part of their ethics probe into undisclosed financial ties to U.S. Supreme Court justices. The panel voted 11-0 to subpoena billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow and well-connected conservative leader Leonard Leo. All Republican members left the meeting in protest prior to the roll call vote. It just tells you how much power those two guys have over everyone there. I mean, it's like the Corleone family. What was it in, in The Godfather Part Two when the senator stormed? I'm not going to watch a, a good Italian-American get besmirched and stormed out of the meeting. <laughs> the panel voted 11-0 to 0 to subpoena billionaire uh, Harlan Crow. The vote may be contested by Republicans as committee rules state that at least two members of the minority party must be present for a quorum during committee business. Democrats maintain that they had a quorum, according to the committee's majority staff. It sounds like they had a quorum and then basically they left. And I don't think that that actually negates the quorum from existing. So they initially did have the quorum. Uh, the subpoena vote came after years of revelations that Supreme Court justices' failure to disclose luxury travel and real estate deals. An investigative journalist at ProPublica in April chronicled the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has never disclosed private jet and yacht excursions. Uh, I tell you what, can you beat those Supreme Court justice trips? Holy God, no. First of all, just imagine the best Airbnb you can imagine, all right? First class flights, uh, shrimp at your seat, uh, maybe a little champagne, something like that. Top notch Airbnbs, oh, no, excuse me, private residences given over to them. The best of the best. I'll tell you what, if they're willing to rule one or two ways of my way, I'll get them the wristbands from all of America. I'll take, uh, come on, guys, let's go do rock bottom plunge, man. Alito and Thomas, let's have some fun and vote for integrity. Native Roots Radio is up next. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.